Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. We are living through a pandemic and a lot of us are stuck at home being quarantined. And it's been a pretty difficult time, I would say, for pretty much everyone. I think it has been even a worse time for those people who are directly affected by this uh, disease, by this pandemic. And I think a lot of times in times like this, we tend to gravitate to selfishness. We tend to gravitate towards what is comfortable for us. And when I look at Titus 3, it's a reminder of the calling that God has placed in our lives. It's a reminder to live a godly life, or in other words, godly living. That's the message that I want to proclaim to you tonight, that even though we might live through a chaotic time, we are still called to live godly. We are called to declare the hope that we have in Christ, regardless if this is a great time or not such a great time. So I want to encourage you that no matter what happens, that you would reach out to the Lord for your help. That when you lose hope, you would reach to Him for comfort, for restoration, for joy. Not to what we tend to gravitate, and that is sin and addiction and so on. We are called to godly living. Now, the question then becomes, what does that look like? How should we live in this time? How should we practice our Christianity? Why should we live godly? Why should we practice godly living? Well, the reason we practice godly living is obviously because it's good for us. Obviously because God intended for us to live godly. But one more reason that I want to give you today is that in this time, we should never forget that we represent Christ, that we are God's ambassadors. So the way we live shows us who we are. I think it's easy for us to be on our best behavior when everything goes our way. But the moment things don't go our way, the moment things are not how we intended them, the moment we are angry, we're frustrated, the real us comes out. And you see, if we haven't dealt with our anger, with our frustration, if we have not gone to the cross, if we have not run to Christ for our hope and our salvation, then we tend to act act like everyone else in this world. But we are called to a different lifestyle, a life that is godly, a life that represents Christ well. Now, we cannot claim to be Christians and walk with the Lord and go off of people at a, at a, at a store because someone got your item in front of you or someone cut, off, cut you off in line. We are called 
to live a godly life because Jesus lived a godly life and we should follow him, but we also represent him in every single transaction, in every single conversation, we represent Jesus. In every single interaction that we have with a non-believer, we represent Jesus. And if we come across as frustrated and angry, and now, of course, I'm not telling you to sort of shove all that down and not deal with it. What I'm telling you is to take the anger, frustration, and all of those things to the Lord and ask the Lord to work through the Holy Spirit to heal your heart so you would represent him well. Because you see, we are called to give glory to God. But if we are acting like the world, then what glory is there to give to God? If we're just as worried, if we're just as frustrated, if we're just as angry, if we're just as sinful as the world, then the question should be, has Christ really got a hold of our heart? I love this quote by John Piper. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. But the way you are satisfied in him is first you need to go and build the relationship with him. And then understand that when you don't have anything left, Jesus is enough. He should be our comfort. He should be our joy. He should be our passion. He should be our security. And the more we're satisfied in him, the more our lives glorify him. So what does God say about godly living? And this is where we are going to go to our passage. Well, in Titus 3, 1, it says this, remind them, meaning them, us Christians. Now, I want to give a little bit of, of an introduction here and tell you that the book of Titus is a book written to a young pastor. It's similar to Timothy. Titus was pastoring what we believe a church in Ephesus, and he writes to him, so Paul writes to Titus, and he says this, that we are to respect and honor our authorities. He says, remind them to be subject, right, subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. Now, can we pause here for a second? Now, I understand that a lot of us don't agree with the laws and the rules that are made by our politicians and our authorities a lot of times. But this was written in a time where the authorities were pagan. The authorities were extremely ungodly. And Paul writes to Timothy and says, remind them, them being Christians, to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient. I know that word obey is not going very well with a lot of my generation. It says to be ready for every, every good work. That's not to say that we should follow every single law and rule 100% of the time. No, only the rules and the laws that do not trample on the word of God. So we have to follow them as long as those rules follow 
God's law. Now, if tomorrow our authorities or our politician came and told us then we can no longer preach the gospel, I would have a major problem with that and say, listen, you can make your law, but I will not obey that. But those rules and those laws that follow in the authority structure of God also, we are to obey and be subjected to. Why? Because we need to be ready for every good deed. So we are told and we are reminded that we are to subject ourselves, to obey the rules and, and laws of the land as long as they follow the structure of the law of God. And the reason we do that is because we need to be ready for every good deed, for every good work. The next verse, he says, Titus 3 says, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. So the first thing we were told is to respect and honor authority. The second thing that we are told is to be considerate and kind. That means that we should not, you know, malign. We should not talk bad about people. We should not blow up a people. We should not be angry with others. No, we should be uh, peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. And here's, I think, a good key to understand this verse. Not to just the people that you like. No, to all people, even the people you don't like. He goes on to say that the reason we do that is because, obviously, God is telling us to, but it's also a reminder that we were like that also. Titus 3.3, for we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our lives in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. So we are told to have compassion, to be gentle and kind, because we were like that also. We were disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. So we are told to be kind and gentle because me and you, we know what it's like to live the lifestyle and to not know who Christ is. So I encourage you that when you go to the grocery store or when you get on Facebook, and I know there's a, there's a tendency to write caps and and go off of people because they disagree with you because they don't know the hope that we have in Christ. But we are told to be gentle and kind. We are told to show every consideration for all people because we are also once disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our lives in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But here's the good news. But when the kindness of God or kindness of our God and Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. When his kindness or God's kindness and Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis 
of deeds which have done which we have done in righteousness but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the holy spirit so when god's kindness showed up he saved us not because of our deeds which we have done in righteousness but according to his mercy now i'll pause here for a second and here we are told in the first few verses that we should be like this and we should be like this but then we are told that we are not saved by our good deeds we are saved by his mercy but according rather to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the holy spirit so what saves us is actually god's grace by god's grace and according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the holy spirit so we are told to be kind we are told to respect authorities and rulers and to be considerate to show consideration to all people because we know what it's like to be with no hope and that the only reason that we are saved is not because what we've done right and wrong but because what Christ has done for us we were saved by his grace according to his mercy and the washing of regeneration and renewing by the holy spirit regeneration here is the best way i can describe i think of our cells they regenerate they get new life right so we were dead once but then god regenerated us he brought us to life to understand what is wrong and what is right not because we were so smart but because of the holy spirit work in our lives. He goes on to say in Titus 3:6, whom he poured out he being here being the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our savior. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So the good news here is that he saved us but not only he has saved us we are made heirs we have an inheritance the best way i can describe it is think of you being really poor one day you find out that you had a really rich uncle and they left you a mansion right you are you have inherited something that was not yours right we are made heirs we are because we are his children we have an inheritance whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our savior so that being justified by his grace so by receiving his grace we are being justified otherwise we can't we cannot be justified because of our deeds we are being justified because of his grace and because he has justified us we have legal rights now we have an inheritance we are made heirs according to the hope of eternal life the now there there's something to be said here we are made heirs unto what well it's not an heir to i know some people preach that you know we have an inheritance so you should go and 
and buy as many cars and houses and so on and so forth. But, but what this verse is talking about is not an heir to a certain physical or material inheritance. No, according to the hope of eternal life. So our inheritance is not necessarily something that is physical in this earth, on this earth rather, but a hope of eternal life, according to the hope of eternal life. So our inheritance is not necessarily something that is physical here on earth, but it's something in eternity, right? Titus 3.8, and because we are heirs, because we are his children, now we have a confidence. So we ought to proclaim that confidence, that message, that hope confidently, right? He says, this is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who believe, who have believed God, will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Right? So we are told that once we receive this, this inheritance, this message of eternal life, we ought to proclaim it confidently. And to those who have believed in God, so we got to proclaim it to those who have believed, so that they will be careful to engage in good deeds. Why are we proclaiming? Why are we, uh, why are we preaching the gospel? Is because we want Christians to engage in things that are good, or the good deeds, and things that are profitable for men. Titus 3.9 says this, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. I know right now there's so many controversies, so many conspiracy theories. I know there's a lot of people that are turning this whole pandemic political, or if they're trying to make money off of it, they have a financial gain out of it. And uh, it's really hard to see what the truth really is. But my encouragement to you is this. Is the controversies, the conspiracy theories that you are proclaiming and you are writing all in caps on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, are they profitable to you as a Christian? Are you representing Christ well? If you are just making arguments for the sake of the arguments, and in the process you are alienating people, is it really profitable? So stay away from anything that is foolish. Stay away from anything that does not bring glory to God. And focus on how you can be a light in your community a light in your school, in your, at your job, at your house. So the question then becomes, why should we do all this? Why is this so important? Well, the best way I can describe it is uh, a sign that I saw that I thought it was so great. And the sign said, life is short, death is sure, sin is the curse, Christ is the cure. And the reason we should do that is because obviously God tells us and that's why he's called us and he called us to represent him well and we are ambassadors and heirs of of God's kingdom. But also we have to realize that life is short. Life here on earth is extremely short. I love this 
passage in James 4.14 says this, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just like a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. You know, today I was, I was getting ready for this message and I was kind of thinking, okay, how can I demonstrate what a vapor is like? And I was putting some cologne and I know that you guys cannot tell uh, what kind of cologne I have on because you're watching this. But I was putting this on and I was like, oh, I get it. This is like this. So your life is kind of like, I don't know if you can see it. You think that who you are here on earth is so important in your career and your schooling, but your life is as short as this. Mist. Vapor. Look, I made this whole place smell really good, but I want you to understand the life here on earth is very short. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are like a vapor or just like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So we have to make the most of the life that we have here on earth. Once we pass away, once we go into eternity, we don't get a chance to do this again. So it's important that we make the best out of every single second of our life. The second reason is that death is short. Now I know that for younger people, there's always a tendency to think, oh, this is not going to happen to me. But death is short for all of us. All of us have an expiration date. Look at this in Hebrews 9.27, it says this, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment. It is appointed for men to die, and after that comes the judgment. Every single person that has ever lived, every single person that lives right now, if Jesus doesn't come back before our death, we are appointed to die, and after that comes the judgment. Now, for Christians, we will be facing the judgment seat of Christ. But for those who have not made Jesus Lord and Savior, they will be at the judgment seat of God. And in that day, we will look back at the life that we had here and look at the trivial arguments and the things that we pursued that are so meaningless. And we'll wonder, why didn't we, de- why didn't we spend our time in a better way? Why didn't we follow the things that God has called to follow? Because you see, life is short. Death is sure. And sin is the curse. I understand that a lot of times we make it a problem when we see someone acting out their sin. And we look at people as the problem. We look at, you know, politicians and and circumstances. But really, the problem with everyone and everything is sin. Sin is a curse. Sin is a curse that results in death. Look at this. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. If sin is the curse, Christ is the cure. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we need to live a godly life because we represent Christ, because of the goodness 
because he has saved us because of all the things that he's done for us. And we are to live this life in a godly way and to proclaim the hope that we have in him. And we are to understand the, the sicknesses and disease and, and when people, you know, murder and lie and cheat. The problem is really sin. Sin is the problem. But the solution is Christ. So I'm not sure what you are dealing with tonight, but I want to encourage you that if you are frustrated and angry, if you are going through a time of, of difficulty and depression and, and maybe despair, that you would understand that this is a result of sin. Maybe sin in your life, maybe sin in someone else's life, but it's affecting you. And you see, the cure for all sin is what Christ has done on the cross, is Christ himself. You see, in Christ, we have free gift of God, which is eternal life. And I want to leave you with this call, that you get to know Jesus, and you would start to live your life and make the most out of every single second of your life. I love this psalm in Psalm 90, verse 12 says this, so teach us to number our days that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. It's really hard to live in a godly way in this time. But we are reminded that regardless of the outside circumstances, we are to listen to what God says. We are to find our refuge in Him. We are to look at every single opportunity, every single conversation, every single second of our lives and, and to measure it and see how can I make the most of the time that we have here on earth, to make the most you know, of our conversations, to make the most of our relationships, to make the most out of the opportunities that we get. That is their goal. And I, I hope that this morning this encourages you to stand in the truth that Christ has given you, and to follow him. And with that, I want to lead you in prayer. I want to lead you in prayer that maybe, for those of you who have not made Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, would you join me and make him your Lord and Savior? And for those of you who have decided to follow Jesus, would you join me in prayer and say, God, how can I make the most out of this? Every single opportunity, even of this pandemic, how can I make the most and how can I represent you well? Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance and until next time, God bless you.
Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.